This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler Ackie. Shane and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate, the podcast. We're talking off-season college football here. Tyler Aki, Shea Norling. It's all brought to you by Twin Peaks. I got to say, Shea, I think I'm more excited for this college football off-season than maybe the start of next season because it's almost turned a little bit NBA-ish with the transfer portal. And yeah, it's free agency. Crazy. The crazy. I mean, we had signing day yesterday. It's been fantastic. It's been entertaining. And I think it's kind of the perfect substitute for the hype of what we used to have with bowl season around this time where we have all these bowl games. Have you watched up. the bowl? No. I haven't I, either. Like it's been on just like they we've had games while I've been working and it's just on ESPN. Yeah. So I've I guess I've technically watched a bowl, but I I haven't even turned one I on. haven't even thought about like hitting the button to turn it on. I haven't yeah. bet on a single bowl game yet. It ain't what it used to be, that's for sure. Syracuse plays tonight. I don't think I'm gonna watch. Really? No. First of all, the you're co- going to be refreshing the transfer portal yeah, for your more, school. Yeah, I'm more interested with that. Like, and they're playing South Florida. Like, I don't really care all that much. Uh, th- their coach isn't going to be there. Half the team's not going to be there. So, like, I I have zero interest in really watching this game. When's the Pop Tart Bowl? Did it happen? I want to watch you meet the mascot. I don't think that has happened yet. That feels like a week after Christmas bowl, doesn't it? Like, I I think that's that's where we'll find that game there. But, yeah, I have, I have minimal interest there. I've had all the interest, though, in this college football offseason. And we had signing day yesterday. So I think there's a couple of different segments. And there's some other college football stuff I want to get to. Michigan, Florida State, all that. There's a lot of things going on there. But let's start with signing day yesterday. And I don't think we need to dive into, oh, who got who, because I don't really – I don't watch high school football. All right, I can't tell you who's good, who's going to be good, all that stuff. What I can tell you is this. Yesterday, when everything shook out at the end, of the top 20 players on 24-7 sports, they were represented by 16 schools. That's tied for the most of all time in college football history since they started tracking on 24-7 back in 1999. So their data goes back to there. The only other year that ties it is 2001. And I look at the way that things are being spread out it shows that NIL is working. It's spreading out the talent. I think it also justifies the need for why we are expanding to 12 teams in the future because you are going to see that talent spread out across the country, and you're going to have maybe not 12 teams that have a true t- title chance, but it's not two. It's not three like it has been in years past. You've already seen it this year. There are probably six teams that all, we could argue yeah. could win a national championship. All four teams. It would not shock me if they won it all. Yeah, so I, I think like there's an argument... I think it hurts the fandom of it a little bit because, like, people who grew up with their school, there's an there's a passion in knowing that the kids care about it as much as you do, and it was the only thing in sports where that was really true. Like, in the NFL, you're a mercenary. You're on a team, right. and you, they, don't, they don't care about the Bears the way you care about the Bears, but, like, the kids at your school cared, and now they don't. They're going where the bag is or wherever they have the best chance to succeed, and maybe after a year they'll transfer to another place with a bigger bag or a better chance to succeed. I mean, but, what, we saw 
three of the top how many quarterbacks from last year's class already entered the portal with Aiden Childs. Congratulations, Thank by the you way. very much. Thank you um, very much. Dante Moore and Malachi Nelson, all those guys are in the portal now. Boy, Malachi Nelson's not highly wanted, is he? South oh. Carolina's the one school that's like, we would like you. South Carolina? Yeah, like, following Spencer Rattler's footsteps. But here's the thing is, okay, it didn't work out at USC. Bo Nix didn't work out at Auburn. Correct. And, and he goes yeah. to, and he was a highly touted kid. And he goes to another school, finds his way, and nearly wins a Heisman this year. Like, there, it can work out that way where you tra- – I mean, look at all the guys that were in the Heisman finalists this year. Jaden Daniels, transfer. Michael Penix, transfer. Yep. Bo Nix, transfer. Like, the only one that wasn't was Marvin Harrison Jr. Do we know what Marvin Harrison's going to do yet? Is he going to stay in school? We haven't seen anything yet. The longer this goes on, the more – then they said the NIL deal is really not close to what he would get on a rookie yeah, contract. Yeah, like the longer this goes gonna, on, I think he probably goes to the league. Yeah, I, I think he wants to get to the league. He wants to get to that site. Like all these guys, especially when you're a top five pick, go right. It, yeah, pretty much, just, if, you're, if you're a first rounder, you should go. Absolutely. Um, it's it's when you get into okay, are you a second rounder and you don't have that chance at a fifth year option that has exorbitant amounts of cash tied to it. All that stuff. That's where you're like, hmm, okay, maybe I do go back to college right. for a year or two um, and, and figure this thing out a little bit longer. So let's talk about you, Kyle, okay. Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord is going to Syracuse. You got a new coach. New coach who is, I mean, he's got Ferraris flying around, the yeah. 315. He's got uh, five-star hibachi chefs cooking up meals for guys in the, I'll call it the Carrier Dome still, even though it's not the Carrier Dome. It's like how we call it the Sears Tower here in Chicago still. It'll forever be the Carrier Dome. But he's got like these high-class chefs cooking up meals inside the stadium. Awesome. For these guys, they're sitting on the basketball court as they eat, too. Like, it is a complete... 180, and I was actually I was texting with uh, Nick Friedel earlier today because he's actually going to Syracuse's bowl game. Not sure why, but okay. <laughs> he is. Um, and we were like, you know, this just shows there's always money. There's always money in all these college programs, and yep. you can admit that you don't have it. You can admit admit that you're hurting. You can admit that hey, we're never going to be in Georgia or Clemson or Alabama's class. But all these schools have money, and all these schools, especially when you are a only show in town type of school like Syracuse is, like I would say Kansas is, like a Clemson is. When you are, when there is no pro competition for yep. you, there's always money because the entire community sur- surrounds you and gets behind you. I've always made that argument too. Like people, I've always been a proponent of pay the players, mm-hmm. and I thought the schools at some point should foot the bill because I still think it's bullshit that it falls on. You know, advertisers and boosters and donors and ticket sales. And it's like a, you're making enough off of admissions. Yeah. Like, don't try to tell me that these schools don't have the revenue to support paying players a flat rate. That's garbage. They've got the money. They just don't want to show you that they've got the money. But you, you're right. You see it at Syracuse. If you can pull up a Ferrari to pick a kid up from the airport, drive him to the Carrier Dome where you've got hibachi chefs on payroll, like, you got the money. Yeah. It, if it, you're now flipping Texas A&M kids, yes. you got the money. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously getting the right personnel in there as recruiters helps, too. Like, they're fortunate that they've got the number one, the guy who is the number one recruiter in the country as their head coach now. 
Like, that's something that you went out, even though he wasn't really a highly sought-after head coach. You're seeing what he can do in the recruit Now, how long is he going to be there? Well, funny you ask. <laughs> he said in his press conference that this is his last job. Like, he's going to be here for 10 to 12 years and then retire. I think he's a pretty young guy, too. I think he'd be retiring, like, mid-50s at that point. Um, but that he doesn't want to go anywhere. We've obviously heard that shtick at any press conference that you've ever seen a head coach take a job at before. And while I don't believe that he is going to be a, he's just going to, this is going to be his last stop, it's at least fun for two to three years. And at least maybe it shows that, okay, we, because if the job then becomes available because he bolts in two years, who cares? Like you've at least built a little bit of a foundation where, you can get a higher profile coach to come in there and you're not looking for the scraps of a, a group of five coach, a, a trendy group of five name. No, you can go out and maybe get a, a big time name to replace him at head coach if Fran Brown ever does decide to leave. And you'll be a Big Ten school then. True. I mean, I've seen, this is what happened in my school. It was like D'Antonio came in. And D'Antonio said this is a destination, and nobody believed him. And he made it into a destination. And it, it like failed miserably with Mel Tucker because he couldn't control himself. But you still went out and paid a coach $80 million. And now yeah. you go and fetch Jonathan Smith from one of the most well-built programs in America. And granted, he wouldn't have left if not for the Pac-12 detonating. But... Mm-hmm. It just you, you build credibility as a program, and then the future things that you do can be at a higher level. And you can see how much money you bring in, and I think that's important for a school like Syracuse where even though football brings in more revenue than basketball in terms of, like... Image. Image, but also, like, over average, over, like, how... Like, the average amount of money that a school brings in for basketball versus the average amount of money a school right. brings in for football. I would guess Syracuse is a quote-unquote basketball school if you took the percentage yeah. as opposed to the real dollar figures there. And just to kind of flip that image, and that's the interesting thing too. Syracuse lost their best basketball player to the transfer portal last year because of NIL. They weren't willing to pony up. Was that a wake-up call? And now they're just like, it let's get be. the fucking bags out, dude. Right, but it's interesting that they're choosing football and not basketball. Yeah, but that's a big boy decision. Like, I've always said this, too. Any school that prioritizes basketball, and even at a place Mm -hmm. like Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. I get it because you're a blue blood, and it matters to your people and your fans and your boosters. But you are making a critical error because the football team is the front porch of the university. And if you – it again – I saw it at Michigan State. If you become a football school, you can never go back. Like, we were a basketball school. We became a football school. We will never be a basketball school again. It's just, it's the way it goes. Kansas is going to be in a weird spot now. If Lance Leipold keeps building this thing up, they're going to learn what it is to be a football school. They'll add on to that stadium. They'll have a 70,000-seater. And all of a sudden, you won't be a basketball school anymore. Well, look at the the wars that Cal and Mark Stoops have. Like, like, they don't, it doesn't seem like they're very buddy-buddy because of the fact that, like, Stoops is stepping on his corner at this point and has built up that football program to a respectable level. I mean, they're pretty consistently, as of late, a team that's been in the top 25 at some point or another. Now, they're not college football playoff good yet, but they've built something. Like you can yeah, see they're making there, moves is, forward. there is something going there. You bring up Lance Leipold. This is, gets me to something that I thought yesterday and why I think the NIL stuff is so good and, and Transfer Portal, all that stuff. 
I didn't talk to a single person yesterday that felt like they lost the day. Like every, and I know that signing day. That's an interesting, yeah. Signing day, hope springs eternal, right? But we know deep down, like, oh, look at this crop of three stars here, blah, blah, blah. Like, we've seen that. Yeah. But it felt like everybody won yesterday because it felt like everybody brought in someone big. Like, I'm talking to Pottinger and, and Zetterman yesterday. They're like, they've got their biggest commit in, in program history. Yep. Obviously, I feel like a giant winner because you're pulling in guys you've never seen. They've had the highest ranking in 24-7 sports that they've ever had in program history. You've got to feel like a winner. you got the top quarterback prospect in the transfer portal. Correct. Uh, I have nothing but three-star recruits. I don't have a single five-star, but hey, we got the number one you, quarterback in America. That's and, a win. And you have a new coach, so sometimes it's difficult to, to recruit on that day. Correct. Uh, Jack McGrath, who also will produce with us from time to time. He's a Mizzou guy. He feels like he won. You can kick Georgia in the nuts for losing the, the number one quarterback in the class, but they have the number one class in America, yep. even with losing the number one overall quarterback in the entire class. So it feels like yesterday was a everybody wins sort of deal. Except Michigan. And Clemson. Okay. But Michigan probably more so. Clemson will at least recruit at a really high level. Michigan continues to be middle-of-the-pack recruiting and will not take transfers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of that is Harbaugh's not going anywhere, but I don't think it factors because Harbaugh hasn't been going anywhere for a while, and they've always recruited in the middle, like 15 to 20. Now, I, again, I shouldn't say Harbaugh hasn't been going anywhere. There's always been uncertainty, and maybe that's a factor. Like, that's why they can't recruit at such a high level, because nobody will believe the promise that he's going to stay. But it is funny that, like, they're the best team in the country. They're one of the most storied programs in the mm-hmm. country, and just routinely National Signing Day comes around, and it's like, Ugh. except for when they got JJ McCarthy, right? It's always just like, Ugh, not a lot there. Yeah, it's like JJ McCarthy, Rashawn Gary, like those were their big ticket guys. But outside of that, you don't see a lot of these five stars going to Michigan. It's, I think they have zero five star recruits right now, and to their credit. They do a phenomenal job of developing four Absolutely. and three-star guys and keeping them in their program. And by the time, like, I think it's one of the interesting things that I see on the transfer portal rankings on 24-7 sports is they show this guy is up a star as a transfer from what he was as a recruit, like right. Riley Leonard. He was a three-star recruit, but he's a four-star transfer. Right. You've got other guys who were four-star or five-star guys. Yeah, Dante Moore is a great example. Well, five-star recruit, four-star transfer. That's the same thing with Kyle McCord. He was a five-star recruit, four-star transfer. And I think that's you. if you took Michigan guys and you had a bunch of them go to the portal, I bet a number of them would be three or four-star guys that were up a star in their transfer portal Absolutely. Ratings. This and is that's, not that's a credit to coaching. This is not me taking a shot at Michigan. They're clearly incredibly well coached and like they've built a really nice program. It's just when you look at it, they should be better than this in their recruiting. It feels like they've never overcome the Hoke eras and they're still just kind of eating off the scrap table from Ohio State. Now I will say this, you look at some of the other schools that are five star lists, and it is kind of an interesting list. Um, Oregon is one of them. Florida State, LSU, that's a real shocker to me. Yeah. Uh, Penn State, Ole Miss, Michigan, and USC, also a part of that list. Like, there, there's still some pretty high-profile teams. And, again, I think Michigan's probably better 
has a better chance of surviving the no five star than some of those other programs. Agree. Do. Like USC, I think is in more trouble than Michigan long term. USC totally agree. Leveling up in terms of conference play, I think the schedule is going to be more difficult. Did you read the piece in the Athletic about Lincoln Riley? I did not know. It was a bit scathing. I mean, they were talking to opposing Pac-12 coaches who said they'd never seen anything like it. That, like, wow, Caleb's this incredible player. They can really score. And then it was, like, the defensive side of the ball. It was, there wasn't any team play to it. There was no unity. It didn't make sense. It wasn't coherent. Somebody, one of the Pac-12 coaches said they were just mercenaries doing whatever they wanted to get their stats and their film. They didn't care about what actually impacted the game. And I wonder if that we're going to see that play out, if it's going to hurt them in recruiting and in transfers because people don't want to go there and lose. Right. He said Bear Alexander was the only guy who was, like, actually doing things that made sense. <laughs> it, when you say that, too, like, I mean, you look at some of the numbers surrounding USC from last year. A lot of it boils down to coaching. Like, they're second in penalties, second worst in penalties yeah. last year. And there's just too much talent on that defense for you to rank, what was it, like 128 out of 133? You can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, all of that stuff. And, and a lot of it, I think, comes down to some of the stubbornness as well of a Lincoln Riley, too, because, I mean, he held on to Alex Grinch for how long? Up right? until <laughs> up until, up until the Washington it didn't matter. Game. Yeah, right and, when, like, your season was over anyway. Yeah, so I... I just look at all that, and it does a lot of it come down to coaching. That's why I think that you see some of these guys that are on USC, you'll see them come into the NFL and have better NFL careers because they'll probably be better coached in the NFL than they were in college. Not that that's groundbreaking. Like, you should be better coached in the NFL than you were in college. But you'll get the most out of some of these guys, too. People don't even realize they had Jerry Rice's son on their team. Yep. Brendan Rice, and he d- declared for the draft, I think I saw that too. But, like, there is talent. There's pedigree on a lot of these guys. And, yeah, I think a lot of that boils down to some of the coaching that we saw there. Um, anything else from signing day, transfer portal you want to dive into? I, I, I think there's something interesting happening at Colorado. We talked a yes. little bit about mm-hmm. before we started this. Um, Colorado's 21st overall in the composite. They're first in transfers. They are 98th in recruiting. And I think when you look at that, Tyler, you brought up a great point, not to steal it from you, but they have six commits, Mm -hmm. and you just go, boy, Dion's telling people he ain't going to be there in 2025. Yeah. And that's the way, I don't know how much eligibility a lot of these guys have left that are transferring in to Colorado, but... If you take one-year guys, and then you drop them in the league, and you Mm -hmm. get out, you can bring the six kids that committed with you wherever you go and get a new class. Like, right. I think he's just – Colorado's clearly a stepping stone. He's going to try to make it as good as possible, as quickly as possible, but he has no intention of being there long term. And to his credit, like, the rankings in 24-7, a lot of it does come down to the volume of your class. Like, if you have a six-person class, you're going to be in the back. And the fact, honestly, that it's a six-person class – and they were ranked 94th, is kind of a miracle. Yeah. But you like he brought in talent. He's got a five-star. He's got the 13th-ranked player in, in the, the class. He's got uh, a couple of four-stars as well. Um, he's got three of the top 100 players. Well, yeah, it's like the same thing was last year when Colorado was number one in uh, transfers again, except that was this year it's kind of legitimate. Last year it was mythical because mm-hmm. they ranked number one because they had 58 commits. Right. 
And you, okay, your entire team is coming through the portal. Of course you have the number one class, even though it's all three-star kids. There are yeah. 58 of them. Yeah. So you just, I just think it's interesting. Only six commits. It just tells me that nobody on that staff is building for the future. Maybe their strategy is just we're going to have more NIL money than you, and we know what to do with it better than you do. So come play here. We'll put you in the league, and we'll get you paid. Yeah. Maybe that's just how he's going to run the program. And then he'll bounce because he has no allegiance really to any of these guys, it seems like. When he you has bring no in, allegiance to Colorado. When, when you've got a six-person class, that screams everything you need to know. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, go ahead. No, you. Please. Okay, well, I was going to move off of Colorado, so anything? That's, no, no, okay. no, you were good. Um, I have two Michigan things. One of them I want to bring up, something that I talked about with, with Waddle and Miller yesterday. The Jim Harbaugh situation. You know, there's two signing days that exist in college football. There's one that we had yesterday, and there's another in January as well. That that would be after the college football playoff. And I noticed yesterday that all but one guy committed and signed yesterday for Michigan. And I wonder if that's telling of what Jim Harbaugh's future decision is going to be because I was thinking about it during the show. I was like, hmm. I wonder how many guys are signing their letters today for Michigan because if Harbaugh is not going to be there or if they're worried Harbaugh might be, not be there, maybe they don't sign and hold off till the January date when they know that their coach is going to be there for next year. I can't remember if I'm right on this or not. Can kids back out of a letter of intent now or do they lose a year? I think you lose a year if you back out of a, an NLI. Like, when you sign your letter, I think you do lose a year if you decide to transfer before the season. So the kids that signed yesterday lose a year if they back out. I believe. Let me, let me double-check that. Because my thing with it is this. Like, I don't think the recruiting has anything to do with Harbaugh's job. I think, A, at a place like Michigan, Michigan recruits Michigan and Ohio. And that's about it. And, like... Yeah, have they gone out of that their way to get kids like JJ? Sure, but again, JJ, an Ohio State kid, like grew up a fan of that school. I think they still get the scraps from Ohio State, even though they've started beating them on the field. They have not beaten them in recruiting, and it's not even close. And I think like a lot of kids, dude, they just want to go to Michigan. And I don't know if they're going to get coached by Harbaugh. I don't know if they know if they're going to get coached by Harbaugh. I think what really it will tell us what his decision is going to be is that little envelope the NCAA decided to drop on Ward Manuel's desk yesterday, which was the notice of level one and level two recruiting violations. We knew that this was coming, that the investigation's been happening since before the season started. Harbaugh served a self-imposed three-game suspension. Uh, you can bet the next one's going to be significantly longer, and there will be a next one. And there will be sanctions. And I think that is what's ultimately going to drive him out. It's not like you can tell kids whatever. Kids will want to play at Michigan, whether it gets handed to Sharon Moore or they hire somebody. Kids are going to want to play there. And I just think when you look into level one violations for allegedly misleading or lying about their violations in the first place, and then four level twos. Mm -hmm. Including the sign stealing. Yep. That's a level two. So you just go... We'll see how this all plays out. Like, I hate to do that. I can't tell you what the NCAA is going to do, but I just, I lean more towards this all is going to have an unhappy ending if you are a block M guy. And I think ultimately it drives Harbaugh out of there because he won't have to deal with it in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So I, I did read athletes who sign their NIL and a coaching change occurs will not be penalized. 
Right. So they he, he so could if he be were to leave. he could be in living rooms going, "Look, I think we're going to get out of this unscathed. If you sign, you'll be a champion. I'll be here." And then when the things change and there are sanctions and he goes, uh, "I'm going to go coach the Raiders or the Chargers or the Bears or whatever." Then all those kids can go, "All right, we're going someplace else." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Colorado. <laughs> Probably. Um so yeah, that but that with everything else that's going on with Michigan, I'm I'm with you. Like I do think it ultimately will drive him out, and I think that you'll see the dust settle mostly after Michigan's done with with their playoff run here. Yeah, I'd say late January, early February yeah. would be where I'd start to think we'll we'll hear things about what's really going to happen. I would even say happen. a little bit earlier. I would say we like, will know what Harbaugh's going to do by the time his team, like within the week after his team. Is eliminated. When can the NFL team start uh, interviewing? Well, they can interview Harbaugh whenever because he's because not he's on a not team. An NFL. But the, I believe the new rule is you can't interview a NFL candidate until their season's over because you can't do the playoff. Like well, how Eric Bieniemy would be flying in for interviews. You can't right. do that anymore. But they can allow. Can't the team allow you to? Like, didn't the Eagles let Shane Steichen interview with the Colts? But I believe this is a new rule for this year. Got it. Okay, so. Um, yeah, th- this is it's going to be interesting because any team that wants Harbaugh is going to have a leg up. It's going to get a head start on it ahead of any other potential NFL candidates. It seems like it'll because be interesting. You're not hiring guys off of staffs that aren't in the in the playoffs in the NFL. What happens to them if he leaves? Like their schedule's fucking brutal. Can Sharon Moore guide them through that? I don't know. <laughs> it's not only is it brutal. But it's littered with teams that you don't face, and you don't have a history of facing. So there's nothing to draw off. Well, of. they might face Texas in a national championship. Okay, that's fair. Um, they could do that, but it's but, Fresno State, which, like, I know. Oh, you laugh. They face Fresno every once in a while, don't they? No, nah, I don't remember them ever playing no, Fresno. I feel like I remember Fresno. Fresno State in Ann Arbor. I know you laugh and go Fresno. Oh, that's a fucking nothing. But if your coach leaves and you have an exodus in the portal and you don't get all the recruits that you have signed, Fresno's also not some dog in the group of five. They're not East Carolina. They've been all right. So Fresno, Texas, Arkansas State, that's your non-conference. Texas, you've got an SEC team in your non-con. Then you get USC, you go to Washington, you go to Illinois, which was a a very close game when it was played in Ann Arbor. Granted, Bielema's team's going to stink. They're Probably. good. They're losing everything. Uh, Michigan State, Oregon, and then at Ohio State at the end of the year. And I'm I'm sorry, you're not winning four in a row. I just <laughs> I refuse to believe it. Well, like, especially I mean, if Harbaugh leaves, it kind of depends how Ohio State rounds out the rest of their their class. But like, who are they going to get a quarterback? One of the big fish, right? You'd imagine they're in the the running for a like they they could do with Malachi Nelson or with. Dante Moore, like what we saw them do with Justin Fields, right? Like bring in the transfer who sat out his freshman year effectively, and then you, you know he's a top-level guy, and then you just make it work at your program. Uh, a lot of the big fish, like obviously Oregon got uh, Dylan Gabriel, mm-hmm. but the fact that Ohio State hasn't moved at quarterback with like Cam Wards out there that feels like an obvious fit. Well, they may be wait because – you're the place that all the quarterbacks want to go. Is there a Shohei Otani type situation going on in college football where if Texas loses to Washington and Ewers decides he wants to play another year, 
all we've gotten from Arch Manning is reports from around Arch Manning that he's expected to remain in Texas. We haven't gotten anything legit. And then there's like whispers that I, I think like Cooper Manning and Jeff Brom were caught having a conversation. Mm. Could Arch go to Louisville? He wouldn't go to Louisville. I don't think so either, but, dude, anything can happen now. I didn't think Dylan Raiola was going to commit to Nebraska over Georgia. That's fair. So, like, anything can happen. And I just wonder if Ohio State's going. There's a chance that Arch comes available, and we will be first in line with the largest bag of money. And I think if you're Ohio State, you're right to kind of weigh your options because, first of all, there's, I don't think, really bad options. Like, at this point, the way that the portal's shaken out, Cam Ward's your back, like your fallback option. It feels that point. way, yeah. And, like, and it, it felt like at the early stages of the portal, Cam Ward was your prize. Now he's a fallback option just with the way that all the guys who were freshmen last year have fallen off. And then you bring a guy in who has not one but two years of eligibility. And, well, all these guys have three years of eligibility, but if things go the Ohio State way... It's really going to be two years of eligibility, and you're going to be able to build something with these guys. So I think that's interesting. To your Arch Manning point, too, how about this? The Malik Murphy stuff, and that's another name that I think is in the Ohio State uh, conversation, probably more on the fallback side of things. But um, Malik Murphy entering the transfer portal at at the early stage, even while Texas has a potentially two more games to play, like that is really interesting to me because we're a Quinn Ewers injury away from Arch Manning trying to lead a Texas yep. championship run. And I think that it, like that came out of nowhere. I I couldn't believe and, and credit to Sark, he gave Malik Murphy the opportunity to ride it out through the, the playoff even though he knew that he wasn't going to be on the team next year. I, I give him credit for that. Um, but I, I just found that to be very interesting from Malik Murphy because you know a lot of teams would want you if that, you hit the portal. But I also, like, I don't get why he's not just sitting with the team. Like, you could get a ring, man. Why wouldn't you? You could get a ring. And he ring. still probably gets a ring, but... I wonder. Like, I probably he does, but wouldn't you want to be in that locker room? Wouldn't you want to be fairness, on that sideline? I, I would, personally. Now that it's in a situation that's never been thrown my way, obviously, never will be thrown my way. But he he has to get a ring. I mean, he kept the season afloat when Ewers got injured. True. This yeah, isn't no, like, he will get a ring. This now, isn't the like more if, I'm thinking about it. This isn't like if Arch had transferred. and like, But he's not going to touch the trophy. He's not going to go up on the podium and yeah. shake anybody's hand. He's like, I would want to be a part of that. That's but just guys weird that get traded in the NBA and baseball and NFL, they still get rings. Yeah, of course. So It's just odd. It's, it's going to be fun. Like, not wishing injury on Quinn Ewers, but... It would be interesting. It would be it would be very interesting. I would be again, the Quinewers injury part of it would not be fun. Right. What would be fun is seeing Arch Manning on the field in a college football playoff trying to end Washington or Michigan or Alabama. And that would be fun. Because it's Arch Manning. This isn't like if USC was there and Caleb got hurt and Malachi Nelson had to step in. No, this is not that. Like I wouldn't have that same level of intrigue, but because he holds the Manning last name, I'm in. I'm, I'm interested. This is so different. To, like, Caleb we heard about in high school. There's always the guy, like Trevor Lawrence we heard about in high school. Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck we heard about for a long time. Arch Manning we've been hearing about basically since, like, since birth. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Like, he has been this chosen one all all along. And I get that, like, 
and like all of his high school games, it felt like we're on ESPNU or some iteration of that. You could watch any single game of his that you wanted. But man, this would be something if he leads Texas to the college football championship, like that would be the story of the year in the sport. Arch Manning is like, what if Bronny James had been a legit just five-star kid his entire life? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. And it's it, we've seen little glimpses of him lately, too. Like, he came in in the Big 12 championship. Or was it? The, no, no, in the Texas Tech game. I know you you watched that and you were like, oh, he might suck. And then I watched the replay and I was like, he's fucking awesome. He's like... He's, he's incredible. I didn't... I, like... I, you obviously see something's there, right? I think his touch was a little interesting. Like he was, firing, he was fired up. He was firing bullets at his receivers. It he was, was very Brett Favre esque. But when you look at him, and and I know he does, he's not getting the best rap these days. But he looked like Trevor Lawrence did at Clemson. Like when you look at his physique, the way he moved around there, he maybe looked the better. Boys, like. Well, I didn't realize he, like, I didn't watch a lot of him in high school. So then I'm watching the highlights of the Texas Tech game, and I didn't realize he was such an athlete. Yeah, I mean, he looks just like Lawrence from a physique yeah. standpoint. He's like, what, what is he, like 6'5 or yeah. something like that? And he's got, like, the lanky body, all that stuff. And, the like, the the throws, he's got to take a couple miles per hour <laughs> off of. Yeah. But they're on but a you could, fucking dime. Yeah. I mean, he could, he could hit a literal penny from... 25 yards. Yeah. You can see it's there. It's there. He just he probably just needs more game action at this point because he hasn't played football yeah. for pretty much a calendar year at this point. And he wanted his touchdown. He was fired up. Yes. That's that's fair as well. Um last thing I want to get to here, Florida State, and they are looking on for the way out now. And and they're having these, this was these big happen. meetings and all that stuff. This was pretty much anticipated from the second they were left out of the college football playoff because essentially the conference was to blame for why they are not in the college football playoff at this point right now. Do you think it happens? Um, boy, I think the problem with it is, as it stands, the ACC champion can never be left out again regardless of their record, mm-hmm. because the, it'll be an auto-bid. So the part that I find difficult to reckon is your path is actually easier in the ACC because you'll face a weaker schedule more likely than if you're playing in the SEC or the Big Ten. You actually have an easier path to win the conference and go to the playoff regardless of your record. So I think in that hand, I don't know that the playoff is going to play a ton into it, the TV deal will. And that's where I think this whole thing kind of just melds into craziness that I honestly, I can't even dissect it. It's, we heard preseason, Clemson and Florida State were both upset with the TV deal in the ACC and well, how they felt the worst, that they were being treated. It's one of the worst negotiated deals in television history. And like, it is a long term, I think it has probably another 10 or so years yeah. on it with ESPN. And it is, it is awful it's what got they're an, doing with the ACC network and it's got an enormous revenue share that holds Florida State and Clemson over a barrel because they provide most of the revenue for the conference and get a percentage that isn't even close to what they would earn elsewhere I don't know if there's a non-compete in there but if they did a like a Longhorn Network equivalent for them I think that's the only way any of this would be worth it. Well, the, I doubt. I don't know that they could do that. The problem is they have to pay something like a hundred million dollars 
to leave the conference because of the TV contract. Now, they might be willing to do it if the money's there. This is, I think it's difficult. I think they're posturing a little bit, but I do think it could happen. And I also think if it happens, guess what? You're the Pac-12 because Clemson ain't hanging around by themselves. They will also move out. And then what are you going to do? Hang the conference on Miami? Best of luck. I mean, then, they don't make th- enough money. Then you really become a basketball. You become the Big East at that point. I not, think th- not the Pac-12. You become the Big East. You are sure you have some football schools, but what are they really playing for? And you are a conference that is just selling out for basketball at that point. And you know what? Notre Dame is at a point where they're basically like there's a rifle to the back of their head, and whether they like it or not, they will join a conference because of the way this sport is gone. They're not going to be able to stay independent. NBC now has their pockets in the Big Ten. They don't need you, Notre Dame. Like they, you got to move yeah. someplace. So I think if Clemson and Florida State both leave the ACC, it makes it extremely difficult for Notre Dame to stay independent because their schedule would effectively become a Big Ten schedule with USC I, I doubt Stanford would stay in the ACC. You could see Stanford in the Big Ten. Notre Dame's entire schedule would be in the Big Ten. They would just join the Big Ten. Like, the the Florida State-Clemson move is how we ultimately end up with the 20-team mega conferences, and we get the AFC and the NFC with the Big mm-hmm. Ten and SEC. Yeah. I, I'm i looking at, at everything that Florida State has to be thinking about here, and I, I can't see a world where they leave. Like, they have to know that they're the top dogs. And, yeah, I think you're right. Like, the way that the future of the playoff happens, this cannot happen again. It won't. So the way that everything's sort of signaling there and the fact that you are adding a ton of teams to your conference as well. Stanford, SMU, like, Cal. You're adding those teams, and I think that ultimately the, the playoff shares will start to enhance. I mean, you're probably going to see with a 12-team format, you're going to see teams like obviously Clemson will be a part of that fold, but Miami will be in there. Um, I'm sure you'll see UNC get into a playoff at some point. You'll see maybe even, like, we've seen you can build things at Duke, right? Maybe Duke finds their way into a playoff. You'll see years where there's three or four ACC teams in a playoff at some point, and, and the revenue shares will probably come your way. And it all makes sense to stay in the conference at that point. But don't you agree with me a little bit that Syracuse is making a push to go to the Big Ten? No, because I think of it, I've always wanted it to happen, selfishly because then I'd get to see them here a lot more often but I don't think it will ever happen because of the fact that they are a school rooted in the east and they they're like weird in that way like they and their athletic director is also an a former ESPN executive too so he probably feels beholden to to the ACC and the terrible ESPN deal that's there um I think it would have already happened it would have happened at the crumbling of the big east yeah, okay. And I don't I don't know how much like what the the Big Ten's appetite is to add more private schools. Um like, cuz they've I don't think it would stop them, would it? They've always been like it's what been Northwestern and that's it. Yeah. Everything else has been huge state schools and I don't think that they're going to bite for a team A that's not good enough at football and B is a small school. Like, you think Big Ten schools, all those student bodies are 30, 40, some even 50 or 55,000 large. Syracuse is never more than 15. It's just interesting. Like, the ACC feels so tenuous. Yeah. And the Big Ten, 
maybe still opting for huge public research schools, even with UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon, but it feels like they're more ready to punt the tradition than they have been. Mm-hmm. And I like, But I do think if if Northwestern were in the ACC, they would never be a part of the Big Ten. What happens with the Big 12? Like, I just keep thinking about what the future of this sport looks like. And I think, like, we saw it, Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12 for mm-hmm. the SEC. And that was really the start of all of this. Yeah. Now the Pac-12 has collapsed. Like, think about the Big East collapsing. Then think about it again and multiply it by five. Yeah. That's the Pac-12 collapsing. Yeah. That's a 100-year historic conference that formerly was one of the big flexors with the Big Ten. And it just fell apart because of a bad TV deal. The Big 12 loses its two biggest brands to the SEC. Mm-hmm. The ACC has its two biggest brands bitching about how bad the conference is and how badly they want to leave. It just the Big Twelve and the ACC feel very tenuous, and I think the Pac twelve was the start, not the be- not the ending. Well, I wonder, do they merge? Is that their best path Boy, forward? I mean, that's thirty one teams. That, it's a mega conference for sure, but is that the best path forward? Like, do you get the quality in the Big Ten and the SEC, and even sometimes it's not quality, but Big Almost Ten never. and SEC. You take the quality in terms of the TV deals, and then you just get the volume with the Big 12 and the ACC. They merge, and then you just have some mega ESPN deal through all those schools. Would you, would, how would a playoff work? Like, would you just invite the SEC and Big 10 schools and go, well, you guys merge, do your own fucking thing? Who cares? It's, it's a mess. <laughs> like, this could have all been so easy. Like, if people would just, just listen when Chip Kelly speaks, man. If He's you ju- right. if you would have listened to Chip Kelly, if you would have listened to Mike Leach years ago, when Mike Leach just said, "Why don't we do a big tournament?" None of That's this would be happening become. now. But because the TVs and the bowls and these fucking old people who are stuck in an old archaic way of doing things had to have their hands in every pot. Really, it all goes back to the Rose Bowl. And those people who wouldn't give up their parade or their tradition of the Big Ten and the Pac-12, Pac-10 then, Mm -hmm. would not give it up. And because of that, we were stuck with bowl people scared of TV contracts, conference people scared of TV contracts, and now we're stuck with an enormous mess at the top of college football. When every other college sport has seemingly figured it out. Every other sport is in great health. The only thing that, that is maybe troublesome is going to be, oh, well, UCLA has to fly to Nebraska for a volleyball game. Like, that's, that is their biggest concern right now. I still don't think that's going to happen. I think what Chip Kelly proposed is ultimately going to be what happens. And it, it could be. I mean, you see it in a lot of other sports. Like, uh, like, if you go to, like, field hockey and lacrosse and all that stuff, like, you see these schools in different conferences. Right. But it's even still like like Chip Kelly said, Notre Dame's independent, but they're in the ACC for basketball. Who cares? Yeah. It's going to be the way that probably it shakes out down the road. But even if that does happen, like, it's not like the Wright brothers are flying the plane, right? Like, we can get from Los Angeles to Lincoln, Nebraska pretty easily these days. So I don't think it's a huge issue in that regard. But All right. Anything else? That's all I got. You excited for the holidays? Um, 
Oh, you having to pause is not a good thing. <laughs> it's just it's a loaded question. I would say yes. I'm not excited for all the driving that I have to do. How I'm much wor- driving are you doing? I'm to and from Detroit. We're going to Nashville. What is that, three hours, four and a half, four and a half. To okay. and from Nashville, that's eight. Okay, so that is a drive. Yeah, it's just. I'm not looking forward to a lot of that. I'm looking forward to hanging out with family. I'm working more than I thought I was going to be, which also, mm-hmm. not that I'm unhappy about it. Like, I like coming to work and doing this, but I thought I was going to get a little bit more time off, and I'm ending up not getting as is much time off. Is this your management right now? Is this what no, you're doing? Because Are you it, speaking through the media right now? It was my decision not to do it, but okay. there was, like, a part of me that was, I was looking forward to having a six-day stretch where I could just hang out at, at home with family and, like, catch up with people, and now I'm getting like a three and a half or four day stretch which will still be great mm-hmm. it's just you know it is what it is all right we'll so enjoy. i am looking forward to it i'm looking forward to the playoff too we'll be back yes. on the 30th we'll be back on the 30th and then what's the the next saturday is that the sixth the sixth the sixth so we'll be back the 30th and the sixth breaking down and previewing all of the playoff action so looking forward to that that'll be 9 to 11 a.m on espn 1000 december 30th and January 6th. All right, that's going to do it for us here. Thanks to our friends at Twin Peaks for sponsoring 6th, today's huh? episode. Yes, January 6th. Why? Do you remember that day for something, huh? That's going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate. That is all for us. We will be with you on the 30th of December talking college football and previewing the playoffs.